Many times when choosing a payroll service, you have to choose between a new startup with a great app or an established company whose tech may feel behind the times. With OnPay, you get the best of both worlds, a great app from an established company that's been providing payroll services for over 30 years in all 50 states. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, OnPay, later in the episode. The value of the tax return is, here's what I'm paying so that I don't get fines and prison time. The headache, right? Like people, are, it's the fear, right? Right. The audit. Right. So and, if, but there, if word gets out that the, if there, there is, is no you audit, have fear of it. Like, right. If there is no audit, there is no fear, and then there's no value in the return. And that's why we haven't been able to charge more for tax. Same thing with audit, right? There's If there's no perceived value in the audit, in the mind of the investor, then we can't raise audit prices. Same thing with tax returns. It's, it's the fear of an audit and the consequences that go with getting it wrong. Like our number one value prop as CPAs is accuracy. But who cares if you're accurate? Like you said, David, who cares if the return is accurate if nobody's ever going to check it? Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Today is Saturday, March 12th. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And I have been pontificating too much, David, so I'm going to let you start this episode. Well, yeah, we, we missed app news last week, like, <laughs> but now here's the deal. I'm going to probably set you up to pontificate a little bit right here now. Oh, I'm really? I'm seeing conflicting data. And I'm trying to understand it in my brain a little bit. So Accounting Today had the tops firms, right? So they announced their top 100 firms of 2022, right? Yeah. And in that report, there's a bunch of quotes from all these firm owners. And this article written by Daniel Hood, the title of the article is Top Firms 2022, colon, What Great Resignation. And if you read the quotes in this report over and over again, Craig Browning, Director of Marketing and Personnel personnel at KWC CPAs, reported that the Virginia-based firm hadn't really been impacted by the great resignation either. We actually had an overwhelming success just broadening our recruiting scope in the fall. Atlanta-based Aprio, in spite of the talent war, we have not seen a significant change in retention. North Carolina-based Smith Leonard, this is the Director of Resource Development, Kelly York, fortunately, we've had little, very little impact from the great resignation. So the top 100 firms over and over again are saying they're just not impacted by it. Uh-huh. Right now that one acknowledge this is John Norman, managing partner at North Carolina-based Greer Walker, um, that they're really feeling the effects of the accounting specific shortage and not by the great resignation. But I'm like, so some part of me, like, are we just splitting threads here? Are we like trying to make ourselves feel good saying, hey, the great resignation hasn't affected us? Because you, if we listen to the last couple episodes of this, you're you, Blake, are like it's an exodus. Nobody wants to work for accounting firms. Well, like everybody wants out. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, so then to, in this, and I'll let you go on here in one second. Then there was a survey that was put out by Caseware. And it's got a really funny like title. It's the Caseware International unveils first of its kind state of the accounting firms trends report 2022. And one of the, the pieces of data in here I thought was interesting Finding and hiring the right talent is a top issue for accounting firms, with 94% of those surveyed describing it as challenging and 42% calling it extremely challenging. They interviewed 3,000 firms. So is there a, the top 100 firms are not having this pain as much as smaller firms? Like, I'm, so this is, here you go, pontificate away. I'm <laughs> well, trying to understand because this or, is like conflicting data to me. Or are we right. splitting hairs on what we're calling great resignation versus accounting shortage? Or, or am I just full of crap, right? And there isn't. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's possible. Well, I think in that article that you mentioned first, the Dan Hood survey, it was the anecdotal responses from the top 100 saying that they aren't impacted by the great resignation. I think he starts at the top saying it's actually only a small subset that say they aren't impacted. Like the majority are, but then there are some that aren't. And I think that makes sense that you would have the fastest growing firms not affected because they are the ones that are able to attract people from the firms that aren't growing, right? They're stealing the talent. The talent is going somewhere and it's not all leaving the profession. So the places that are perceived as being the best places to be are going to be able to attract that talent. You have the haves and the have nots in our profession. And also the fastest growing firms, I have questions about that. I want to know, they don't break this down in the rankings, how much of that growth is through mergers and acquisitions and how much of it is organic? 
Because once you get to a certain size as an accounting firm, your primary way that you grow is not through organic acquisition of clients. It's by rolling up smaller firms into you because you become a way for those firms that don't have a succession plan to have a exit. If you're a partner and you're 50 years old and you don't have anybody you've trained to take over for you when you want to retire in five to 10 years, what else can you do? You merge in with a bigger firm. So those firms that are doing a bunch of M&A don't have as much of a problem because they're able to get the employees of the firms that are merging in. That's my theory. So, so, so they're kind of net. The net effect for them is kind of zero because they get a, They might lose 10 employees over here, but they acquire a firm, they get 10 employees that are at that firm. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of how like, I joke, David, that inevitably you will end up working at Intuit again someday. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because consolidation, yes. Because Intuit just acquires all the good startups. So <laughs> you'll, you'll end up being there. It's the same idea with these bigger firms. So I, I wish that accounting today would break out the growth rates. And also, th- let's talk about exactly what this top 100 list is. It's a list of firms ranked by revenue. So it's all it is is the top line number. We don't know how profitable they are. And so that's also misleading because we as accountants know that revenue is not nearly the most important thing. What matters is they your bottom line. They should rank by the number of billable hours. <laughs> well, I think for the industry, it'd be a lot more useful if it broke up audit versus advising versus tax they, versus the cash practice. I think it'd be easier for people to understand where everybody stands. So, so they do that in the report. If you okay. download it, it's pretty basic. It, it is audit, tax, and then consulting That data is what allowed us to find out a few years ago that CAS, which is client accounting services or outsourced bookkeeping work or outsourced accounting work, had achieved the 10% mark and is now at least 10% of firm revenues. But no, I think it's it's a fair point. Like I'm curious to hear from our listeners, is the great resignation real? Is it fake? Is my take on it appropriate? From what I'm hearing, what I'm reading, it sounds like it's pretty bad in a lot of places. So it could just be firm to firm, though. That's the thing, right? It's, I mean, we're a big industry. We're a big place. It's not like every firm is going to be having the same experience. And some are doing great and some are doing horribly. Isn't arguably the shortage of accountants and the great resignation just the same thing? People are resigning because they're fed up with shit work. Yeah, exactly. Across a bunch of industries, the the way their value system, the way they're working, the amount of hours they're working, all of these types of things, their work-life balance. And those are really the same re- things that are causing the accountant shortage. So it's kind of weird that these are called out separately. Yes. From my point of view. It's yeah, the same thing. It's it's and, all re- related. And maybe right? accounting had it starting before because we had this shortage already before the great resignation. <laughs> like maybe maybe we're, we're the, the accounting industry was the leading indicator of this. So one thing also about the top 100 that's really interesting this year is that a non-CPA firm was allowed onto the list. Your part-time controller listeners will recall, we had a voicemail from their founder, Eric Freint. Your part-time controller has over 400 employees, and they are not a CPA firm, but they provide accounting services to not-for-profits all over the country. They're providing CAS, outsourced accounting services, and they are now on the list. So this is the beginning of what I predict will be the gradual shift of CPA firms to non-CPA firms or a blend of those on the Accounting Today Top 100 among the big firms. Because think about it. Why would you these days want to start a CPA firm? Like if you don't want to do audit, why would you put any of these other services, tax consulting, CAS, in a CPA firm? I cannot think of a single benefit of that because your clients don't care if you're a CPA firm or not. All they care is whether or not you have CPAs on staff. I wouldn't do it. If I were starting a new firm again, I wouldn't be a CPA firm. There's just too much red tape. So I think we're going to see as with the Eisner Amper thing, where they split off the assurance firm to to grow the consulting firm. I think you'll also see just a lot of firms that don't do any assurance. So you're predicting like this list, which to some extent, um, outside of mergers and acquisitions, it's kind of the same list. But you're saying like over time here, it's going to look considerably different because you're going to see a lot more firms that are not true CPA firms. Yeah. Yeah. Start uh, getting and, on this list. And you think about it, like in 2010... Most of these firms that we know, these non-CPA firms, were a few dozen people, 10 people. Now they're in the hundreds. So what's going to happen over the next 10 years? They are also going to start bringing in firms through mergers and acquisitions. And we're going to have corporate model, non-CPA firms providing these services. And then, of course, we have the startups doing this from scratch, 
like the pilots and the benches and whatnot. So we're going to, I think, see a big diversification of the types of entities that provide accounting and tax. And I think it would be a good thing because the conflict of interest that exists when you've got audit and consulting in the same firm are, it's a problem for our profession. It creates all these conflicts of interest. And, you know, I, I, why, why, it would be so much better if we just had auditors in audit firms and that's all they did is audit. And then they didn't have to have these conflicts and we didn't have to play these games. Like, like there's a, set, a subset of our population that's like, I love audit. I'll do audit. I can make a living in audit. And I'm just happy with that. That's what the CPA is for, right? It's, it's, that's the only thing you really need it for is to sign off on audits. So why don't we just double down on that and actually make audits useful too, right? I think part of the problem is that audit is a pass-fail system. The audit report doesn't give you useful information generally. There have been sort of attempts to make that happen, but, but generally no, like investors do not find audit reports useful. So we need to like sit down and actually think of what we provide as a profession from a customer experience standpoint. And who's the customer of an audit report and the audited financial statements? It's the investment community. And if they're not using this stuff, then that means we aren't providing a valuable product. And that's why I believe the value of audits has stagnated. And so our pricing has stagnated. We can't charge more for audits. Audits are worth less than they used to be when you adjust for inflation. And therefore, you can't raise the salaries of auditors because you can't maintain the same margins, which is why people are leaving audit and going to other more lucrative areas. And I'll bet you, actually going back to your question, that the firms that are growing the most, I know this for a fact, actually, because like Aprio's on the list, Armanino's on the list, Bergen KDV, I think, is on there. Your part-time controller is obviously on there. What's the service line that's growing for them? It's not audit. It's really not even tax. It's the consulting and the CAS. The outsourced accounting is growing, and you don't need a CPA to do that stuff. So so do you want to... Um, I know the... Uh, I, I mentioned that other survey... But I think you looked at that survey a little deeper. Which survey? The caseware survey. Oh, yeah, with the headline, the great headline? What was yes, that? Yes, the great headline. <laughs> so the headline I saw was in accounting today, cloud computing expected to skyrocket in accounting firms. Is this what we're talking about? I think it's the same one. So m- mine's from uh, cfodive.com. And their, their title was, vast majority of accounting firms plan to tap into cloud technology due to the pandemic. <laughs> Global survey. I was like, this is like two years late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I saw this on LinkedIn. Rachel Fish posted something like, uh, guys, like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but you know, it is like 10 years later. For a lot of us in the cloud accounting world, this has already happened, right? We are fully embraced cloud accounting, but it just shows you how far we still have to come that this is the headline, cloud computing expected to skyrocket in accounting firms. I mean, it's there. It's there for the taking, but obviously many have not. So you jumped into this 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 survey a little bit more, their 22 sta- 2022 State of Accounting Firms Trends Report. Yeah, this is the one that Caseware put together. Yes. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks. Recently, I chatted with Twyla Verhelst, director of the accountant channel over at FreshBooks, because I wanted to see what they've been up to. For those who don't know, FreshBooks was the first accounting software I used as a freelance bookkeeper back in 2011, so I've been really curious to see what's new. Turns out, a few years ago, FreshBooks launched a new platform that is now more than just invoicing. FreshBooks is now a full general ledger with financial reports, bank feeds, and journal entries. FreshBooks also has your favorite app integrations, even some embedded ones like Gusto for payroll. And with the launch of their new accounting partner program, Twyla and the FreshBooks team are creating a platform and a partner experience that's showcasing that they're really listening to our feedback. If you want to learn about the benefits of working better together with FreshBooks, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash FreshBooks. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash F-R-E-S-H-B-O-O-K-S. So so I want to get to that, but first, can I play oh. an, a voicemail? Oh, yeah, absolutely. An, and we got an email from Tyler, and I've transcribed it from text-to-speech. Let's hear AI Tyler's voice. Hey, Blake. Just finished listening to episode 260 of the Cloud Accounting Podcast you guys had released right before the new year. I had a couple thoughts I just wanted to share. First off, I like the idea of having a firm doing a SOC 2 report on the IRS. I am currently with PwC in the assurance practice, more specifically performing SOC 1 and SOC 2 audits and think the increased transparency 
and accountability these reports provide over systems and controls could help the IRS. Perhaps if there are several issues found then Congress would be more prompt to provide additional funding for the IRS. Secondly, I wanted to share my thoughts about the audit profession especially at a big four. I related to all of the issues you guys stated on this topic. I have only been with PwC for eight months and just feel empty in what I do. It just does not feel like I am contributing to anything useful, especially as a new associate. There are aspects I do like such as the flexibility with working from home and the pay personally for me is good, but I think we make a little more because we are considered specialists versus core audit. I'm just not sure other than pay there is anything big firms can do to make these roles more attractive. For myself just the lack of strategy in my day-to-day -day almost makes me feel like a mindless robot. I think it will be a growing problem for firms going forward but just wanted to share my thoughts. Thank you guys for putting together a great podcast. Well, I just want to give him a hug. Yeah, right? It, it's tough. It's tough when like you don't feel like your job makes a difference. And this is the problem that big firms have that I was talking about last week. It's, and, it's not a, it's a, the pay can help, but ultimately it doesn't matter how much you pay people if they feel like what they're doing doesn't matter. And I'm going to take a guess that this is somebody that's young and they're starting the career. I don't yes. know. I have no yeah. clue. No, right, he so, said that. So you, you finish high school. You go to college, you somehow decide that I'm going to go into accounting. This seems like a great profession. You do all the hoop jump you need to do. You get your CPA, you go work for this firm and eight months in, you're like, oh God, did I make a huge mistake with my life? That seems to be a typical that, that, That's experience. horrible. Like, it's yeah. horrible. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that people are going into a blind. I mean, you'd have to basically not do any research to not realize that work-life balance is going to be a challenge. You're going to put in a lot of hours. I seriously doubt the the big firms have SEO optimized blog po posts about like how you might feel unfulfilled <laughs> once you get out to you, go, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Like I don't know if the research the research is there. I guess if you're in like the Reddit boards and th things like that, but how would you know to even go looking for that? Because the message you're getting is how great it is to move to these firms. Yeah, the recruiters are coming yeah. to your campus, right? Yeah, and it, well, and again, it's the the big four education industrial complex where they're turning out folks to go into these programs, to go into staff roles at the big four. And yeah, they're not being fully, they're not going to be, f I mean, maybe some professors are totally honest about it. And again, I, I'm not, it shows that you, yeah. you're, you're in touch with what's happening out there a little bit. I, I like to think so, you know, that, that <laughs> we sit here in front of our computers and we look at what is being written, not just in the accounting publications, but also on social media. And we can draw some conclusions. And we hear from our listeners. And the, the listeners, thank you so much, Tyler, for writing in because that makes, a, that makes a difference for us. It helps. It helps put a face on all this stuff. And I want to know what you feel like. You know, Do you work at a big firm? How is it going there? Are you part of one of these big firms that's growing where you don't have the great resignation problem? If so, let us know. Give us some insight into all of this. And you can email me at blake at blakeoliver.com or better yet, you can email me and include a voice memo, and we'll play that on the air. So let's get back to this report, the cloud computing expected to skyrocket in accounting firms. The big takeaway from the report is that nearly two-thirds of accountants plan to adopt some form of cloud computing technology over the next two years, and a third of them are expecting to do so within the next 12 months. 77% of respondents already use collaboration software to communicate and share files with their clients. And a majority of users said their overall client engagement process is not as efficient as they'd want, pointing, for example, to finding time to use the technology and internal resistance to new tools. That was always my biggest challenge was, I have this great new tool, guys, let's adopt this. And then the staff say, uh, we're fine. We like doing it the way we've done it. I fill out my timesheet, <laughs> right? I don't, I, don't need, I don't need more work. So here's another stat. The poll found that 43% cited using new technologies as the biggest practice management challenge encountered over the past year, outranked only by new tax laws at 47%. So very close, very, very close. I would say probably within their margin of error that new technology is almost on par with new tax laws as the biggest challenge. And I find this ironic that like, this is a study by Caseware, which I, I'm not sure I know that Caseware is like a leader in the cloud space. The last time I had to use it, it was desktop. But maybe they've branched out. Maybe that's, that's why they're the doing thing. it. Is this, is this their customer base? Like that they're 
because we, we've already seen data like firms that were already 100% cloud, 100% there. These weren't issues. These technology issues were not issues for them during the pandemic. Yeah. I, well, I, and again, like there's a big split in the accounting world between smaller firms, mostly smaller firms that are completely cloud-based. And then you have big firms where a lot of them have not made the switch at all. And they are just beginning now to switch from desktop to cloud. And I looked up Caseware and they do have Caseware Cloud now. So they have a cloud product, which is probably why they did this study. And now they're trying to get their desktop customers to move over to the cloud. But yeah, the big firms are way behind. So this is the problem too, is, is we've got the great resignation and the bigger firms just sort of sat around in all the years leading up to this crisis and didn't modernize because, hey, we're fine. We're profitable. We're making lots of money. We'll keep things the way they are. But then- It's the next partner's thing to worry about. It's the next partner's thing to worry about, right. And then the pandemic happens and everything goes to shit and they hadn't prepared. And so now they're scrambling. And that's just really challenging because you're trying to do the same amount of work with fewer people and you're making them learn new technology at the same time, which like doubles their workload. It's putting a lot of stress on on folks. And there are firms, like I, I would bet you too, that those fast growing firms that aren't experiencing problems, they already migrated. So I think you mentioned to me you're going to uh, Disneyland this next week. Leaving tomorrow. Leaving yeah. Tomorrow. And doing, doing it three just days. got me thinking about, you know, that that customer experience, right? Yeah. So I saw that DoorDash announced that they're going to partner with Office Depot to deliver office supplies. So DoorDash typically is who you get your lunch delivered. So you yeah. have the office, hey, everybody want lunch? We order our lunch. Well, now if you need some printer paper or copy paper, they could go get the paper and bring that from Office Depot to you as well. Yeah. And so, so I was kind of thinking about this, like, if I can get lunch and printer paper delivered, and I'm thinking about my tax organizer, organizer issue. So my tax organizer, it's filled out, done for my personal taxes. But I have to take a whole stack of 1099s and W-2s and all this documentation now and scan it and upload it to the organizer. And I'm just like, I, I just see the pile and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And, and I'm a little anal. So every time I scan something, I'm going to give it good file names that are consistent, right? Like my stuff will be organized, but I'm like, wouldn't it be better if a firm just said, hey, great, you filled out this quest to tax organizer. My intern, whoever I got is going to swing by your office, pick up all your stuff and we'll scan it for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be great. Just send all your clients a prepackaged, a pre-stamped envelope and just say, put everything in here and send it back to us and then have an army of interns scanning it and just putting it into the file system. When, that would be better in a lot of ways, right? It would be a great customer experience. And I was listening to our last episode and you're talking about that whole, why people choose the firms and people, this is why the impression is it's less work to use TurboTax versus working with the firm. Right. Yeah. Because I would just type this right into TurboTax and be done. I don't have to scan it, give it to you. Like it's just, it's extra work. It really is. And it goes back to the experience, but I was like, uh, I know you're going to Disney and it made me think <laughs> about the experience on the stuff. Well, and I'm going to be thinking about that because they are a great example of a company that knows how to do customer experience. Even my wife was uh, telling me about a story she heard because she's on all these forums right now with all of these moms learning about what do I do to have the best experience at Disneyland. And apparently, uh, one of the things they do where they go above and beyond is if your kid is on a ride and like gets sick and throws up all over themselves, like normally that would ruin your day at any other place, right? Because chances are you don't have a change of clothes. Everything's ruined. Yeah. Like you have to go back to the hotel. It sucks. Well, at Disneyland, if that happens, immediately they see it happen on the ride and somebody is waiting there when you get off, takes you and the kid to one of the stores, like the closest store that has merchandise, like clothing. Okay. They find you clothes that fit your kid and change their clothes and give it all to you for free and you get to go back into the park. Amazing. And you might think as an accountant, oh, no, that's so expensive. They probably just gave away $200 worth of merchandise for somebody who's paying $75 to be in the park. But if you're getting into the park for 75 bucks, I'm very impressed. <laughs> well, that's what, it, that's what it used to be. Uh, last time. I, I think it's like 150 200 I think. I'm All not right. positive. Well, yeah. So, so, you know, you're losing money if you do that. But what you're doing is you're creating this incredible experience where now this person is going to talk about for the rest of their life how yeah. great Disneyland was. And, and this is the thing too about Disneyland is the company, they, they don't think of Disneyland as like a moneymaker 
because where do they make their money? It's not the one time you go to Disneyland, because most people, they can only afford to go to Disneyland like once. It's not that time. It's all the stuff you buy and watch after, because you are now in the Disney the Disney brand ecosystem. The Disney yeah. ecosystem. You're subscribed to Disney Plus. You're buying the Disney merchandise, the toys for like it's all a holistic customer experience. So I'm gonna be paying a lot of attention to that. Maybe I'll have some thoughts for the accounting profession when I get back. I'm sure you'll have some observations about prices. Yeah, I think, yeah this will be good. This will be good. Uh wait, take notes. Well, I mean, one thing that I've noticed is as you get closer, there's surge pricing. So if you buy your ticket way in advance, you get one price. They have deals for the hotels. And then it's like double as you get closer. And most accounting firms could do this very simply during tax season, charge more every month that you get closer to the deadline. So you tell your clients, if you get me everything in December, it's this price. If you get me everything in January, it's this price. In February, it's this price. In March, it's this price. And then you have no fights because you can say to somebody who calls on March 10th asking for you to do their corporate return by March 15th, that our prices are 4X because of surge. And they can they can decide if they want to do it. And if they say yes, then you're happy because you just made a great profit. But there's a lot of firms that don't do surge pricing. Most, I think most firms don't. I'm curious if any of our listeners do this and what the feedback has been, because it seems like a no-brainer to me. So I, Yeah, so we, I, surge pricing actually, yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Especially if somebody's like, no, I don't want to do a extension. Okay, fine. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to pay. You, yeah. You got to you, you gotta pay more so I can do your return this week or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know what? Everyone talks about how timesheets are great for managing capacity. You know what's better for managing capacity? Pricing. Just price such that, yeah. you, right? Price, price so that people will extend and you don't have to worry about the capacity. So should we get into app news, David? Let's touch on the IRS before we do that. Okay. Because there's a lot of IRS like can, loosely connected news here. With the IRS. So I think the first thing is there's a new budget uh, spending bill that's out there that the House just approved. Mm-hmm. And they tweaked it up a little bit for the IRS in here. And so they're not getting, they, I think they wanted to get that 14% budget increase. And apparently it's only going to be like a 6%. And it goes on this article in our accounting today, um, which I think is pulling data from tax notes. What's the headline? The headline is IRS budget increase slashed in latest spending bill. <laughs> I mean, like, why? Why? <laughs> okay, keep so, going. So some of it, and now it's starting to turn into a uh, bipartisan issue. How so? There's a quote from this Republican representative who said, I can't find the quote, but the, the vibe of the quote was, they're not properly spending the money we already gave them. Why would we give but, them more money? They're not doing a good job with the money we already gave them. That's the vibe of the quote. I know, but that logic doesn't, it, 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 it's terrible logic. I mean, yeah. it's it's... It's like, I don't know, if you're in a business and you underfund a particular division, then you blame them for not delivering results, right? Like that's doesn't that doesn't make sense, right? And we know the IRS funding levels have been cut over 10 years and they have more work to do. So it's kind of objectively true that they don't have enough resources. Yeah. So, so it's kind of getting cut. So then they had another announcement. They're raising the fees for enrolled agents because, you know, they need revenue. <laughs> So apparently, uh, enrolled agents is moving um, from a 67-year fee to $140 a year. Oh, they're not going to like that, no. Yeah, so so they're, they're they're changing that. This is also tied to, you know, they want to hire 10, they've announced they're going to hire 10,000 people, 5,000 as soon as possible. Like some, they're going to have these job fairs in some cities here, the Kansas City, Austin, uh, Ute, in uh, Ogden, Utah, and they're going to, some of these events, you'll get hired right then. You could get hired for a job. Wow. They're going to be entry-level clerk and tax examiner positions with no prior tax experience. You're going to get like this low government, you know, the, all the, the G the G men. All yeah, the well, G I'm, looking at the t- I'm looking at the table. They have, you know, 15 grades with 10 steps each. Yeah. So, so but, but it's going to start at about $27,000, which $15 an hour at Walmart, 40 hours a week. Is more. This is, is more money. And so- Tying this back to this last IRS story, which is, you know, they continue. It's another story about how they're auditing the poorest families. Five times the rate of Five times wealthy the people. Yeah. Because it almost makes you think, remember that, isn't there like a famous Henry Ford quote about like only paying the people just enough on the assembly line to buy the car, the the Model T? Well, well no. So I don't remember the quote, but the story is that 
and I don't, this may be apocryphal, but Ford believed that it was good to pay your employees more than market rate because then they could go and buy your products so they could afford a car. He wanted his own employees to be able to afford a car. Yeah, but it's just like, but not too much, right? You only want to pay them enough to to buy the the goods that you're making. Right. Out of a thing. But that's kind of this. So you're going to hire thousands and thousands of workers that basically are not going to be capable of you're paying them so little, you're not going to get high quality people, which means you can't do audits of complicated returns. returns. Yeah. So so basically, you're just going to hire people to go audit people just like themselves. And it's like, how's this helping anybody? Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I've been very critical of the leadership in our profession, especially the state societies and the ASCPA, for not addressing this issue with the IRS. We all know, we all acknowledge that they are underfunded. We have heard this, but nobody wants to say what needs to happen. In my view, a significant budget increase is necessary to even get caught up. To even get those 20 million returns caught up is going to take a lot of people. But more importantly, they need to modernize their technology. And I just don't think they have the the expertise on, on staff to do it. And I think their numbers of what they're claiming they audit are completely inflated. They basically, they say they're auditing four out of every 1,000 returns. But A, a vast majority of those are people that are uh, $25,000 or less, they're earning income tax credit, but they're also considering it. So let's say you file a return and you forgot to attach a document. That's called an audit. And they reach out to you and say, hey, mail us this document. They're counting that as an audited return. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, like the, the actual audits happening is probably 1%, one out of every thousand. Yeah. And so if that's the case, like- Everybody should just do their taxes themselves and make up whatever numbers they want. Like, why do you need yeah. accountants and CPAs? Because the See, odds David, of you getting caught for anything. Yes. Are- you, you nailed it. You, so this, this is why an underfunded IRS actually hurts the accounting profession. So we have all stood aside for a decade or more while the IRS funding has been cut. And I believe the reason that accountants haven't said anything is because we've thought, oh, well, it's nice if, if our clients don't get audited. Right, that's good for us because it's less work for us. It means that all these tax strategies that we're using aren't going to get questioned. We can keep selling those. So we've we've basically been complicit. I don't know if complicit is the right word, but we've just stood by and we haven't helped. We haven't fought this at all. We've just let it happen. But if it goes too far where you don't have any audits happening, which is essentially the situation now, like it's it's really hard to get audited, right? So few returns that creates a problem because then there's nobody checking our work. So you get a ton of tax preparers who are just doing garbage work and there's no consequences. And that reduces the value of a tax return. The value of a tax return is not how many hours we put into doing the tax return. In the mind of the taxpayer, the value of the tax return is, here's what I'm paying so that I don't get fines and prison time. The headache, right? Like people, are, it's the fear, right? Right. Of the audit. The f- Right. So and, if but there, if word gets out that the if there, there is, is no audit, have fear of it. Like, right. If there is no audit, there is no fear, and then there's no value in the return, and that's why we haven't been able to charge more for tax. Same thing with audit. Right. There's if there's no perceived value in the audit in the mind of the investor, then we can't raise audit prices. Same thing with tax returns. It's it's the fear of an audit and the consequences that go with getting it wrong. Like our number one value prop as CPAs is accuracy. But who cares if you're accurate? Like you said, David, who cares if the return is accurate if nobody's ever going to check it? Well, if, you, if your firm files a thousand returns all incorrectly, you might only hear about it on one return. You're just assuming all the returns are correct. Right. And I think that's why when you look at tax Twitter, you see so many CPAs who are good at what they do, just shocked at how bad some of these returns they get are. Just totally screwed up. People with no business doing tax. And I think it's because they can get away with it because the consequences... The consequences for their firm of doing shoddy tax work are very low because there are very few audits. It doesn't create a lot of work for you to do bad work. So yes, in summary, basically the audits of the poor, it's the same as it was 20 years ago. And you know the IRS decides that like, the head counts basically what it was in 1970. So things just keep getting worse. <laughs> so the economy is growing. There's more taxpayers. There's more tax returns, but the numbers complicated. have shrunk or stayed the same. Yeah, and they're not paying. They're not able to pay their people well. So then you have, you know, unfortunately, the best of the best aren't going to go work for the IRS. And if you ask me, the IRS should be funded so that we have some of the brightest people in our profession working there. Isn't that what we want? Both on the 
tax and the technology side? I mean, isn't that kind of like, okay, I'm just like stepping back. I'm assuming like the FBI, it's the best and the brightest, right? It's people that could have gone to law enforcement. These are people are getting hand selected. It's the best and the brightest in theory during the FBI. I don't think that same hiring culture is there for the IRS. No, it's like literally, do we have a body that can answer a phone? I mean- They should be competing with the big four, recruiting, out-recruiting them. Yeah. They are going to be hiring people for $27,000 a year. And yes, there are government benefits that come with that, but you can make more money working a warehouse job. You can work 80 hours a week. You can work for Amazon. A, a big firm and get paid a lot more than that $27,000. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is crazy. But it's all tied. It's all tied together. One thing leads to the other. I mean, if you hire people that can only audit poor yeah. people, that's so, what you're going to get. And my, just to wrap this up, like my feeling is we did this to ourselves as a profession by standing idly by while we watched all this happen. And <laughs> look what's happened. Same thing with not investing in technology in your firm. You wait too long, it becomes a problem you now have a really hard time solving. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. If you're wondering why OnPay is great, it's because it was built by payroll experts with over 30 years of payroll experience. They handle all the complicated stuff that other payroll providers don't, like agricultural payrolls, including Form 943, multi-state payrolls, and employees with H-2A visas. Even while handling all the complicated stuff, OnPay remains an easy-to-use, full-service payroll and HR app that is the right fit for all of your clients, whether they have just one or 500 employees. It helps them stay organized, save time, and get compliant. OnPay has flexible and customizable integrations with QuickBooks and Xero. OnPay's partner program offers free payroll for your firm, discounts, and special bonuses for moving clients to OnPay for 2022. The program also offers a dedicated support team to offer white glove service to both you and your clients. To learn more about offering your clients the award-winning OnPay payroll and HR, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. On pay. Nobody takes better care of your clients. So, app news? Yeah. Well, I got one to start us off. All right. Practice Ignition has dropped the practice. They're done practicing, David. They are now just Ignition. I guess they've been practicing for a few years. I always thought that it, Ignition would be better. And I always thought that they should probably expand beyond accounting, which I take it as why they're doing this, because there are actually a lot of firms, a lot of professional services firms, not just accounting firms, that are using Practice Ignition. Practice Ignition, for those who aren't familiar, is a proposal and payments platform for professional services firms. Along with rebranding, according to Accounting Today, they are going to work on helping firms with conversion rate optimization in the proposal process, as well as more flexible billing options and having three option proposal templates. They've actually already done that. And now they have integrations with Gusto and Zero Practice Manager. So congratulations to Practice Ignition, Guy Pearson, and Dane Thomas on all the growth. So I have something from Brazil. Brazil? Brazil. So I'm going to try and say this word correctly here. <laughs> Conta Belize receives an investment of $60 million led by SoftBank. They are the Brazilian back office accounting services firm for small to medium-sized businesses, and they've raised $60 million. I was like, wow, pretty impressive. That's one of those non-CPA uh, non firm non accounting firms. firms. Yeah. And they, it's going to be used to like grow their startup product offering, expand its services, and then it talks about mall stores in more than 60 cities in Brazil. And so they, they were founded in 2013, and they were launched to help do bookkeeping, help companies launch and keep accounting needs current. And they done this by helping business owners open bank accounts, um, invoicing, you know, helping them invoice, helping them pick out payroll, health insurance for their family and their workers, right? And what they've done now is they've grown this and like they are physical brick and mortar in the malls, right? So if you think about how mm. H&R Block used to be in like Sears and JCPenney's, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're in the malls. They have 30,000 clients. Wow. Now, now. Put this in perspective, there's 70,000 accounting offices in Brazil. In those offices of just, you know, this would be other, other competitors, right? Mm -hmm. They only average 80 to 100 clients each office. So they have a massive piece of the market here. That's incredible. And, and they're just... doing it. It's, it's service, right? 
there, you, you go there while you're shopping and getting your, what, I should think the quote, yeah, the, well, you go have your coffee and do your shopping. You can stop by, ask questions about your business. We'll work on your stuff. Like it, it's a service experience. Yeah. I like that. I always wanted to open up a CPA firm or any, not a CPA firm, a non-CPA accounting firm. That's like a coffee shop. Kind of like how the, uh, is it one of the banks does this now? Is it, it's not Citibank. It's uh, Capital One. Have you ever been to one of those? No, but I saw the commercial. Yeah, so th- I've I've been to one in San Francisco where you like walk in and you're like, this is a bank. It's it, it looks like a coffee shop, and then you can there's the bankers at their desks and stuff, and you can go hang out and I can just know. sit at Starbucks and open up my bank website. Same experience, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's better now. <laughs> well, uh-huh. that's interesting. Um, interesting. Um, Patriot Software has patented a dual ledger feature. This caught my attention. It's not often that you see accounting technology getting patented. As reported in our favorite publication, Accounting Today, the patent explains it as a system and method for selectively displaying accounting data in both cash and accrual basis formats. This allows a user to track cash, modified cash, and accrual basis simultaneously with the software automatically writing transactions in each method at the time of entry. The feature can be enabled per user in the software, letting them toggle between views and change accounting methods without the need for manually adjusting entries. But you toggle it through a switch. And so I read this and I was like, okay, this is in QuickBooks. When I run a report, I hit cash or accrual. I basically have a switch. So it's just what they're doing is they're actually ledgering the data. They're not just calculating it after the fact when you run the report real time. They're actually recording it to the ledger in both forms, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So they were, they were making an extra set of entries each time. And like, what's, I don't know if there's an end user benefit or not on this, but well, so the, the end user benefit is like uh, QuickBooks doesn't properly do this because they are adjusting after the fact. And this is actually a pain point for a lot of accountants, David. I don't know if you get this ever, but. Oh, I did five years of tech support for QuickBooks. Right. Trust me. I've taken more than my fair share of why that, like, like, why is there a negative AR? Why are the retained earnings negative? Or- yeah. And it's because QuickBooks tries to make those adjusting entries and it doesn't always do it right because it's super complicated, right? And then you have to go and fix it. This is one of the reasons why I always love Zero, is that Zero actually does the cash conversion properly, whereas QuickBooks never did. <laughs> so you can you can actually do both in Zero, whereas with QuickBooks, you basically have to choose. And your reports are going to be correct on one or the other, but not on the other, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, because that's the weird thing about this too is cash basis to file your taxes is different than cash basis accounting. And a lot of people are doing accrual-based accounting. As soon as you have ARAP, you are now accrual-based accounting. Right, right. So by default, right, you're... you're well, it's I always felt like in QuickBooks, as soon as you turn on, you create one invoice, we just... we. QuickBooks should just turn off the cash option. It should just be hidden from that point forward. But you need the cash option because that's how businesses file their taxes. Taxes, yeah. Yeah, but the problem is it doesn't it doesn't always do it right. And that's why you have like, it's like, how can I have a, how can I have accounts payable on the books when I'm cash basis, right? Like that's always one of the problems in the balance sheet. Anyway, Zero does this correctly. And so I'm not really clear what Patriot is doing that is different. And also we've known for a long time that like Sage Intact, one of the reasons people like it is because you can use multi-ledger, and you can have two sets of books. You can have a cash set of books and an accrual set of books at the same time and flip between them. Or you can have some other standard set. You can have like a gap set. Anyway, I don't know exactly what's different here, but they got a patent on it. So maybe maybe Patriot is going to get rich because now they can extract a bunch of money from uh, all these other companies who want to do it. I don't know. I've seen other apps that get patents for like mapping accounts to another account. I don't know. (laughs) It is what it is. I, I get it. Like, and in theory, I remember years ago, IBM would just come knocking at the door because they have thousands and thousands of patents. And I think this is what Bank of America's strategy is. Bank of America is, is, is gathered all these patents now, and they're just going to go to all these neobanks once a year. Oh, you're using our patent, that patent, that patent, and they're just going to collect a check the way IBM did. Mm. And, and I think at one time, Intuit had a big push like a decade ago, like, oh, we need more patents, we need more patents, so that way you could push back, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so if you want to protect yourself, but at some level in the grand scheme of things, I think like these patents kind of protect you and there's a way to make money off of them. But in the grand scheme of things, do they do anything for the customer experience? And that's what's going to win in the long run. Good point. Unless your business is to collect a bunch of patents and just go milk everybody every year, right? Chargebee has acquired a collections management platform. Chargebee is a subscription revenue recognition 
app, and they have acquired Numbers, a platform that automates accounts receivable and collections. The move will allow the company to provide additional services through the newly formed Charge B Receivables. If you want to learn more about them, where do you go? You go to chargebee.com. <laughs> Sorry. I was just waiting for the, the anticipation. Well, 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 you know, I, I don't want to say chargebee.com because like so many apps don't have the .com anymore. Yes, right? it's like, like HQ or uh, yeah, .co. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw an interesting uh, press release, Margin Edge. Are you familiar with Margin Edge? No. So Margin Edge, I always had them bump, bucketed into my accounting firm with engineers bucket. But it feels like now when you go to the website, it doesn't really say they do as much bookkeeping anymore. It's really like they're, they're restaurant software for scanning, like all your bills that come into the restaurant, figuring out the slice, how much a slice of a lemon cost, tying it back to your point of sale and your sales, right? So it's a restaurant management platform to some extent. At one time, I thought they were getting into the, hey, we'll go straight to small businesses and do the like restaurants and do their bookkeeping. I don't really see that on their website as much. And maybe it's something they mentioned when I was at a conference. But nonetheless, the announcement that I thought was interesting is they've now announced with Intuit a unified restaurant solution. Restaurant management platform Margin Edge announced that they have been selected as Intuit's first restaurant industry unified solution provider. It even has a quote from Gavin Orlo, VP of Global Partnerships at Intuit. A restaurant's accounting system is one part of operations puzzle and working with Margin Edge provides restaurants the most complete back-of-house management solution possible. Um, it goes on to say, this is another proof point of Intuit's focus on providing mid-sized businesses with the right tools to help them grow and succeed. So what's interesting about this, like poking around looking at the product, I don't see any extra stuff here, but it's a step. I, and I don't know if, like, I don't see anything on the Intuit site about this when I was poking around. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know if this is one of those, they just improved their QuickBooks Online integration and they got some random VP at Intuit that doesn't <laughs> know better to, to provide a quote. But it's just interesting that it's being played up this way yeah. as this uh, unified solution. So we'll have to keep an eye on this. Now, I did go and look you know, at the job posting. So that's how you can really figure out what these companies do. And they are hiring an account manager. And the account manager, their job using our software to review, approve, and organize restaurant purchasing data. So, so That they sounds must, like bookkeeping, right? <laughs> well, well, so it sounds like, and, and you go to their homepage, you see the headline, it says, real-time food and recipe costs updated daily. We use point-of-sale integration and invoice data to give you a real-time view into your prime costs and more. So they must have an army of people on the back end processing invoices and all this data. I mean, it's a little bit, it's a Dex auto entry type right. play, but right? You take photos of receipts and all that and you scan them in, right. but it's just more, more detailed for restaurant. And there's other companies out there, played IKEA's yeah. out there, right? The, these other companies exist. Well, but this is like really critical for restaurants because your food costs, like especially right now with inflation, you got to really manage your pricing and your food costs in order to maintain your margins. So like they're in a really good spot. And if they are automatically doing a lot of this, then that's work that a bookkeeper might have done. So they really are doing bookkeeping here. Maybe it's only a certain type of it, right? It's just the costs on the food, but like that's the hardest part. So that's that's neat. I mean, so you're inkling that they might be an accounting services firm with software. I, I think and there is nothing to that. It's, it's, very, it's a little, yeah. I think we have to keep an eye on this. It's just, it's a little confusing what the relationship is. Right. Right. Is, is there something more here than, than there actually is, or is it, and I've seen apps, you know, they send the right email to the right VP into it and they get some silly quote and they stick it on their press release and there's, they, they upplay their relationship with Intuit bigger than it is, mm-hmm. right? but it's something to keep an eye on. We'll, we'll find out. But yeah. I just thought it was interesting if they are, are they going to head down this role where Intuit's going to start partnering with all these niche apps really deeply? This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Scribe. Like it or not, your firm is probably going to be impacted by the great resignation, which means you'll need to scale both yourself and your staff. But showing the same things to your staff or clients over and over again does not scale. Good thing there is Scribe. Scribe allows you to document your processes, workflows, onboarding, app instructions, help docs, and how-tos by automatically recording your actions as you use your computer. 
then Scribe automatically creates easy to follow step-by-step -step visual guides called Scribes that you can share with your staff, coworkers, or clients. You can use Scribe to document processes in cloud apps like QuickBooks and Xero. And with their desktop plugin, you can use Scribe with all your desktop apps as well. Scribe allows you to customize the automatically created Scribes by adding and removing steps, redacting sensitive information, and providing additional comments or instructions. Guides created in Scribe can be shared via a link, a PDF, or embedded directly into a website, or the dozens of other tools that your firm may be using like Notion, SharePoint, Process Street, ClickUp, etc. To try Scribe Pro free for one month by using promo code CLOUDACCOUNTING, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash scribe. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash S-C-R-I-B-E. Field Guide. Field Guide raises $17 million in new funding. This is one I hadn't heard about until our friend of the show, Byron Patrick, announced that he's joining Field Guide, leaving Botkeeper to go to Field Guide. $17 million now. I've said I noticed two people have moved to Field oh, Guide. Oh, who's the other? Todd Robbins. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, he, he left Vic AI, I noticed. So Field Guide is, isn't a practice management software? Well, so this is the thing. I went to their homepage. And fieldguide.com? Fieldguide.io. Got to be careful with those dot coms. That's what we just talked about. This. Until you raise your Series C, you <laughs> can't afford there. the dot com. So the Field Guide headline on their homepage says, Powering the Future of Trust. And I'm like, so is this audit? It's got to be audit. But it's a weird way to put it. The subhead, Field Guide supercharges assurance and advisory practices with a complete workflow automation and collaboration platform. So that's uh, interesting. Assurance and advisory that's like everything, right? It's audit and consulting or CAS maybe. So if you go to the product pages, it makes a lot more sense. So they have an audit engagement platform. That's their product. So track progress across all your engagements, act on client provided files and comments, view app mentions from team members and clients. It, Upload it, documents, it got, comments. Yeah, they got pictures forth. here of like percentages, requests, 73%, 22 of 30 completed. So Acme SOC 2 is the project and it's in progress and you've got this risk assessment that's due on March 17th and you've done the initial planning template. So it's like a checklist, right? For audit. Oh, I see at the bottom. Okay. Frameworks. Yeah. It has frameworks. Flexibility to automate any workflow. SOC 2. It's got sign-offs. Sign-offs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it is. It's basically modern audit management checklist. But theoretically, like this is what we always talked about at Flowcast Like um, when I was there. Flowcast is a closed management tool for corporate controllers, but it was actually built on the experience of Mike, our CEO, who was an auditor, because audit firms, especially the big ones, he worked at EY, they have built their own solutions like this that are very robust and allow you to collect the documents and get the sign-offs and it's, it's all work papers management and everything. But that really hasn't existed in the cloud for small firms, like in a good way. Like most of the audit software out there is desktop-based, just like the tax software is desktop-based, right? So this is the future of that. Like, and it could- All right, because we've talked about this before on the show. In general, on the accounting and bookkeeping side and the CAS side, there's just been this explosion of cloud apps and you could actually get by never using desktop apps anymore. But on the tax and audit side, oh, no. you still had to have some hosted software. Yeah. So you're saying like, maybe this is the tipping point. It's starting to tip. You're starting to see apps like this show up. at Yeah. And you've got 100 solutions cloud. like MindBridge AI. That's another audit platform in the cloud. I think audit's going to come first and then eventually we'll get somebody to make a true tax platform in the cloud. The problem with tax is that it's so complicated that nobody can start from scratch because you have to do it all. So it's actually going to take one of the big tax companies, one of the tax software providers to see the light and do what Adobe did and make the switch to cloud. It's not going to be a startup going from scratch in that world. And yeah. a lot of small firms that are in the cloud, it's the only reason they still use hosted solutions for the tax software. Yeah, really cool to see Field Guide. Check it out, fieldguide.io. Do we know anything about the team behind it? The CEO and co-founder is Jin Chang. Jin said, as a former practitioner at a top global firm, I've always wanted a platform like Field Guide to simplify and modernize complex risk and compliance projects. Our team is dedicated to advancing the audit and advisory profession, which serves a noble purpose in ensuring commerce and capital markets run with trust. Well, I would add to that that uh, if we want to ensure that commerce and capital markets run with trust, we should probably include increase the value of audits. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't be pass fail, you know. Like, why why are audits pass fail? It <laughs> it doesn't instead of a ABC. Yeah, like why why 
like a, like a rating. Uh, a rating. Like, yeah. like when you go to a restaurant, are you more comfortable knowing that there's an A, B, C, D rating, or would you prefer pass fail? I think as a diner, you like knowing that there's a scale, right? Yeah, you like, and especially when it's over an A plus, and then next quarter A plus, A plus, yeah. A plus. Yeah, yeah. So like we should have we should have A B C audits. Like there should be a rating system. You know, is that crazy? <laughs> like I I think it would improve the value of the audit because then. We all know there's all these companies that are on the edge of failing their audit. Wouldn't we like to know who those companies are so that they can improve as investors? But instead, we don't find out until they collapse. And auditors are really reluctant to fail a company, a client. And then, then it's always like, why didn't the auditors find it? Right. Well, because they don't want to get Because guess what? If you fail an audit, like they're not going to hire you again, Right. That's the problem. No, no auditor wants to fail a client. They only do it in the most extreme circumstances. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like this stuff just seems so f- obvious. But maybe I, you know, I'm not an auditor, so maybe I'm just an idiot. Yeah, you want you want to increase audit fees. You want to increase the profession and get people coming back. Like make audits actually useful as a product. Think of them as a product. Think of audits as, as having a customer, and the customer is not the company you're working for. The customer is their investors. Hector Garcia turned me on to this company. It's called Found, found.com. So this is another tech bank, right? They uh, took a $60 million raise. And the reason he sent this over is they have a whole page of bookkeeping. If when you go to their website, it says home baking, bookkeeping, taxes, invoices. Found.com. It's a bank called Found. Yeah. It, it actually reminds me a little bit more like um, Collective. We've talked about them that are really targeting these Freelancers, freelancers, solo entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and it's all under one roof, right? You open your bank account. We're going to handle your bookkeeping. We're going to handle any taxes for you, and you know we're going to help you do your invoices. It's a lot of its bank feeds accounting ultimately, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, they just took sixty million dollars. My suspicion is, if this is the average round these companies are taking, we're going to see thirty companies like this pop up. Well, how much money did they take? Sixty million Series B. Yeah, I, I think that's because in banking. There's a lot of infrastructure you got to build, a lot of software you got to build, and it's just very expensive. So they got to take a lot of money to do it. I, I don't buy that because this is, you don't I think so? guarantee you, this is built. Let's, let's, let's scroll down to the bottom of the page here. Oh, this is banking services provided by Lending Club. They're just building on everybody else's stacks. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, people are built on Evolve and they're built on um, Silicon Valley Bank. And, you but know, you know what? You're so, on the Visa MasterCard APIs and Plaid. I, I guarantee yeah. you, it, I'll come across Plaid in this if I signed up. You know what I mean? You're gonna, they're, they're all built on everybody else's stacks. Okay, so they offer bookkeeping. They have it, at least that's one of the products that they advertise. Do they actually do bookkeeping for you or is it just there's some accounting features in their app? Well, th- th- this is how you find this out. We click on careers and we see who they're hiring. <laughs> yes, that's that's good. Explore open roles. I see that you can send invoices with it. Page search marketing. You see, they have to spend that money, the VC money. So you got to run lots of ads on Facebook. Oh, they're hiring um, engineers, for, uh, engineers, SEO. customer service associate. They're not hiring bookkeepers. I don't see any of those. Yeah, I don't think they're doing bookkeeping. I think they just have some like bookkeeping for for freelancers in the app, just the way you can send invoices. Yeah, but this is the combination. But they're of, marketing that, right? They're marketing. Well, this is like banks are becoming accounting software, and accounting software is becoming banks, and ideally, they're both together, right? That's that's what you want. You want it all in one place. Like, why wouldn't you want your where you move your money to be connected to your accounting? That's been always the dream. Like, and that's been the problem is like in QuickBooks or Zero, I go pay a bill. Why can't that move the money? Well, because there's no good way to send that data to the bank and the banks don't have good APIs. So what's the solution? You build a bank with an API from scratch, and then you build your own software on top of it that lets you send money. And so now you've got bill pay inside the bank that syncs with your accounting system. But eventually, for simple stuff, you don't need a separate accounting system. You could just do it all in your bank website. That's that's the ideal customer experience. Have it all in one place. So thanks for bringing that. That was interesting. All right, we're we're at the top of the hour here. So anything else you want to chat about quickly, or can we save it for next week? I guess we could save it for next week. I'll let you 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 go on it. But they're calling. Uh... Crypto Joe, you know, Biden made some uh, announcements on the, or we can actually mention it really quickly because I don't think there's a lot of, it, it's a lot of headline and not a lot of news, but the Biden administration, this is uh, this week, they announced they're putting their support behind the research and development of quote unquote, US central bank digital currency, also known as CBDC. So isn't CBD like the oil, the hot oil? <laughs> 
Well, it's, yeah, it's the non- Or is that CDB? What, what is it? No, CBD. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be CBDC. <laughs> that's great. So we'll wait to hear more about that, but I think that's inevitable. We're going to have a central bank digital currency. They basically just, provided no information on how it's going to work. So it's just like the announcement it's, it's is research, there, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other thing we have to talk about is the big four withdrawing from Russia. So we gave them a really hard time last week. I did anyway. I went on my soapbox. And as of March 12th, when we're recording, PwC, KPMG, Ernst & Young, and Deloitte have each issued statements that they will cease operations or withdraw member firms from within Russia. And the fifth largest public accounting firm, BDO, announced its withdrawal from with Russia on Wednesday. And of course, right after that, that's when the AICPA <laughs> issued its own statement that it will be withdrawing its services. So I gave the AICPA a really hard time for issuing a press release without any action saying, we stand with Ukraine when they hadn't yes. actually- Now they took action. Now they took action. But of course, they waited for the big four to take the lead, which, you know, I guess it, I get it. The big four pay your bills. They, you know, well, you're not going to lead them. They're leading you, right? That's how this works. And so, I also feel like, like you know, we've talked about this, like canceling payments to stop Putin and all this type of thing. I think- it's a different relationship. I, I think the theory is, oh, we'll cancel all commerce and then the rich people in Russia are going to get mad and somehow get him out of power. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's different. Unlike the United States where the rich people control the politicians in Russia, Putin decides who gets to be rich. <laughs> it's the opposite. Well, and the same thing happened in Venezuela, right? Yeah. Like we, we cracked down and what it did is it just drove the ultra wealthy closer to the core power. Yeah. So the cancel strategy will work on us, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we could get them all. But I think the only way it changes is if we do cut off Russia economically. And unfortunately, it's going to hurt a lot of Russians. But how else do you get them to remove Putin from power? Yeah. Right? Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you would like to share your thoughts, we love to hear them. I've been getting emails and voicemails every week now, and I, I just love it. Please send those to me at blake at blakeoliver.com. David, where should people get in touch with you online? I'm just on all the socials at David Leary. And do follow us on social media, Cloud Accounting Podcast at Cloud, A-C-C-T-P-O-D on Twitter. You can join our mailing list, cloudaccountingpodcast.com, scroll, scroll to the bottom and you'll see that sign up and you'll get notified of new episodes. And you can get CPE credit for listening to this episode. Open up the Earmark app on your phone. And if you don't have it, you can get it at earmarkcpe.com. Take a quick quiz and get an hour of CPE credit for every episode. The courses come out about a week after these episodes. So if it's been a week since this episode dropped, then open the Earmark app and you'll see it there and you can get your CPE credit. I'm going to go enjoy a bit of a vacation, spring break. And well, we need the I'll Disney report, the, the, the firm experience report. I'll, I'll, I'm going to be thinking, you know, this is me. I can't, I can't just disconnect. I have to be thinking about the accounting profession while I'm at Disneyland. <laughs> and with that, I'll end things. See you here next week, David. All right. Bye, everybody. Time for the classifieds. Do you dream of starting a bookkeeping business, but you don't know where to start? Join the Bookkeeping Biz Workshops, a four-day live workshop series hosted by Serena Shoup, CPA. You'll learn where to start, what it takes, what tech to use, how to build a business, not a job, plus how to get comfortable on discovery calls. The workshops begin February 23rd, so register today at bkworkshops.online. That is bkworkshops.online. As humans, we're programmed from birth to learn watching others. Video has the power to engage, entertain, and educate without ever feeling like work. When you want to become a QuickBooks Online expert in the shortest amount of time, the Royal Wise on-demand web-based learning solutions are the obvious answer. With 40 easy-to-understand QuickBooks classes designed to bolster your confidence and increase your accuracy, Elisa katz Pollock's training will take you from beginner to advanced user. Pick just the topics you need or save money by subscribing to their entire QuickBooks online library and coaching program for one low monthly price. Listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast can enjoy their first month of silver membership for only $1 using promo code PODCAST. So head over to learn.royalwise.com. That's royal like a king and wise like an owl. Register for a QuickBooks class, become a member for just a dollar, and make learning a hoot. 
That's learn.royalwise.com. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Blake, and I wanted to let you know about a new show I'm working on with CPA slash comedian Greg Kite and blogger slash former CPA Caleb Newquist. It's called Oh My Fraud, and it's a podcast all about financial crimes. That's right, a true crime podcast for accountants by accountants. Caleb and Greg are going to come together every couple weeks to unpack their favorite frauds and explore the circumstances, psychology, and interpersonal dynamics involved. They also fully indulge in victim-blaming the defrauded widows, orphans, infirm, and feeble-minded, because who can resist? If you fancy yourself a trusted advisor, or prefer your true crime with spreadsheets instead of corpses, listen to this show to learn what to watch out for and to keep your clients, your firm, and even yourself safe. To subscribe, go to ohmyfraud.com or search Oh My Fraud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.